Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition, create big wins in business by teaching winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, successful souls, and welcome to another inner feminine beast interview. Today, I'm so excited for you to meet our guest, Meet Kelly Moore, CEO and co-founder of Soulfire Productions and co-host of the top-rated relationships podcast. Okay, babe. Kelly has been the good girl, the people pleaser, and she followed all the rules. She worked for years in a male-dominated sports television industry, only to deal with 15 years of chronic illness and finally reach her breaking point. Today, she pours her heart and soul into helping women set themselves free from expectations and the stories that hold them hostage in their own lives. She asks us all to seek deeper within and become the version of ourselves we kept buried for so long. Wow. Oh, wow. We have a lot in common, Kelly. (laughs) So happy to have you on the show. I know today's chat's going to be absolutely amazing. I'm just really grateful that you're here. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Cynthia. Of course. So we chatted just a few seconds before we went live and we both agreed like this is a conversation we're excited to have. And just a little bit about me, because, you know, this is one of the first times we connected. You can see from the name of the show, my brand is called Inner Feminine Beast. And I'll tell you the truth, Kelly, I love me, my beast. Okay, (laughs) I love my masculinity. I love keeping up with the boys. I love the leaderboards. I love going and doing and being super aligned with my actions to get these results. And if anybody can go hard and, and carry all the weight, it's always been me. You know, I was in a really male dominated industry, just like yourself where I was the sales executive for the world's largest bourbon company. I was one of four women in the world with this position, and I was the youngest, (laughs) okay? So you and I have a lot in common with that. And I know that you are an Emmy award-winning former sports TV host and can totally relate to what I experienced. But I'd love to hear from you a lot about the struggles that you faced being a female in a male-dominated industry. Can you speak to that and what you went through and what that was like? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we definitely get each other on so many levels because of that. And it was really hard for a long time and it started very young. I think, you know, I was on a TV show for my high school when I was 15 years old with one of the football players. And that's when it really started. I just started to see the dynamics and how you needed to act around men and how to get ahead. And I'm not one of those people that slept my way to the top, but I do see how that happens. And I can't even be judgmental about it because I think you get yourself in these positions where, you know, I had so many bosses. I had bosses at the Lakers, bosses at the Dodgers, bosses at my TV network. I had an agent, like all these men telling me what to do. And I can see how when you have so many men dictating your life, dictating the clothes you wear, the way you speak, how you interact with people, you know, just the way you hold yourself, 
that you sort of just become a people pleaser and you fall into line. And if you don't follow the rules, you don't get the job and you have to play the game. And it's a really quick spiral, I think, especially, I don't know how old you were when you were in your industry, but you know, I started when I was in college and was in it until, you know, about 30. And so it was most of my twenties where I was very impressionable and I wanted to make people proud, including my parents. And I was raised to be a good girl and follow the rules and do the right thing. And I did that and I did it really well. And I don't even know that I realized I was playing the game until the end. And I looked back and I thought, oh my God, where did I go? Because there's a version of me somewhere in here that I know and like, but she's lost. And the one that was showing up every day was the one who had been molded by other people. The one who decided, oh, I'm going to live my life for other people based on their rules and expectations. Never asking myself, well, what do I really want? Like, do I want to work at ESPN and Sports Center? No, I actually don't. I don't even like sports if we're being totally honest, <laughs> but I felt like that was the next thing. And I got so much attention and so much praise that, you know, when you're young, it feels like, well, then this must be the right thing because it feels so good. And everyone tells you how amazing you are and look at all the potential there is. And I think it's just really confusing. And so it was really hard. I also dealt with sexual assault in my career and a lot of men treating me really poorly. And that's what really ended up ending my career career in the very end, because I just realized this is so toxic. I can't be quiet anymore. Like being assaulted is not okay. (laughs) Even though, you know, people told me like, it's part of the game, you know, and just let it be. And so it was a very tumultuous experience. And that all being said, I'm so glad that I had those experiences because it truly shapes the way I live my life now, which looks drastically different and on my terms and feels extremely empowering because of that. Yeah. We have that in common too. So when I started in the bourbon industry, I was 22 and I'm also became a mom at 22. Wow. And I just remember just doing it for my baby because I wanted to make money and become successful and show them what's possible. At the same time, I never saw my son, like, mm-hmm. because when are people drinking nights, holidays, and weekends, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I was gone. And when I was young, it was sexy. It's like, okay, we're going to Miami and then we're going to Kentucky and literally sitting with the great grandson and Jim Beam and cracking open barrels. And then we're going to Miami doing all the things, but I'm just like you. It's like, we had meetings before the meetings, before we had the big meetings. Also, we can get ready for that boss because that boss is coming to this one. It's just so many bosses. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was like a liaison because I had two bosses and I had to make sure they get along. And the supplier always says, sell more. And the distributor's like, we can't. And I'm always like, ah, like trying to get between them. You know, I've never really shared this before. But I think it's important. I think vulnerability is one of your biggest superpowers, you know, especially in a world where everyone's drinking and it's okay. (laughs) It can seem fun and exciting when you're younger, but there's definitely some dark sides to that industry. There were so many times that I was pulled into HR because they had to sit me down and say, just so you know, someone said that you're being sexually harassed and we want to address it. Do you want to move forward with this? I just remember being 22, being 23 and not wanting to be like called out, like not wanting attention on me that way. And I was just like, no, I'm fine. No, it's not a big deal. No, it's okay. And like the IFB version of me now would never find that acceptable. Mm-hmm. But I went through that too. And it's just like, it's weird how we're brainwashed or, you know, desensitized or just in this patriarchal system where we think like, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know? I mean, I feel like in so many ways as young women, we're taught to just be vessels for men's pleasure. And that's not just in a relationship when you're having sex with your boyfriend. That's also in the workplace. It's like you are just a vessel for their entertainment, for them to look at, 
for them to enjoy being around, for them to flirt with. And if you ruffle feathers, you piss people off. I remember I was at spring training one year and one of the players was just constantly hitting on me and I was used to it. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, like at some point, like you're going to have young girls and young guys together and you're going to flirt and it's going to be a thing. So I wasn't like offended by it, but this one guy was so persistent and I was just very clear and I had boundaries and I think I had a boyfriend at the time too. And it was just like, what are you doing? And he gave me his number and he asked me to go on vacation with him. And I told him no. And then he refused to do interviews with me for the rest of that year. So one of the best players on the team wouldn't speak to me because I wouldn't go on fucking vacation with him or call him on his phone. Like that's the kind of stuff where you're just, you're taught, like, if you don't do this thing, then you're not going to get the interview with the star player, or you're not going to appease this boss. And you're going to upset this person, which is then going to like cause a ruffle in the organization. I think we have to understand from a young age that it's okay to speak up. It's okay to have boundaries and to say, I refuse to be treated like this because the more women our age perpetuate this system and cycle, the more the young girls coming up think that this is how it has to be. And that was something I learned. And I started telling young women as they would come into the business, like, look, stay away from this guy. This is who you talk to. If something happens, these three things are absolutely not okay. And you have every right to say something. And if you don't have anyone to talk to, you come talk to me and I will protect you. And I will take care of you because I didn't have people telling me that. And so I just thought for so long, this is what we do. And that's not okay. And we are in charge of having these conversations to stop that cycle and to help empower young women knowing I don't have to just roll over and play dead because so-and-so told me to. Yeah. I'm so happy you're bringing that up. You know, I had a female mentor in my industry as well, and I'm still very close to her, but I remember looking at her and she was my boss's 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 boss. And I just was like, Ooh, she's where I'm going to go. She's where I'm going to go. And then I really remember sitting in my office one day and thinking to myself, well, where is she at? And I have no idea how much money she needs, but I can imagine it's low six figures. And this woman has experienced two heart attacks in this position. Mm -hmm. And I remember right then and there, when I really thought about that, that's the day I walked in. I was like, I'm done. It just hit me. And I was just like, I'm done. Like, and I walked in. So I know exactly what you mean. And it's just so interesting. We have that so in common. This is totally off topic, but I do have to ask. Yeah like winning an Emmy. That's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I don't like sports, but I mean, what was it like when you found that out? I'd love to ask that. And of course we'll get into deeper questions too. Yeah. So we won as a team, which was really cool. I think it was for the Lakers broadcast team. And that was awesome. I mean, I think I was 24, 25 and it was really special because I had wanted to be on TV since I was 11 years old. I started hosting the morning announcements in sixth grade. And I would tell everyone like, it was so cool because I was at a brand new middle school. And for some godforsaken reason, I don't know whose idea this was to spend all this money, but they built a TV studio in our middle school. Yeah. And so we had like a full on broadcast class and we had TVs in every room. And so our morning announcements were actually on TV. And so I would tell everyone like chicken nuggets for lunch today and blah, blah, blah. And I just, I fell in love with being on camera and it's really where I like, I felt like myself and it's so silly looking back, but it really was the moment where I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I was also a really good volleyball player. So I was recruited to all these different schools across the country. And I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship to USC and they have one of the best broadcast programs in the country. And so I went there and I was able to get so much experience and work in the LA market at a very young age, you know, working on red carpets and interviewing, you know, USC football players who went on to win Heisman's. Like it was just a really cool experience. And so my entire life was dedicated to this thing. 
And at such a young age to have such a big girl job and to feel like I was a part of a team that had accomplished something really special coming from a sports background, like always being on a team my whole life. And then to do that in TV, it felt so cool. And it just felt like, you know, I like to win things <laughs> I like to be the best. So I was like, and check that off. <laughs> yeah. See, I knew I liked you. Does that mean you're really tall? Are you tall? I'm six one. Yeah. I knew it. I'm five eleven. Oh, there you go. <laughs> power. Yeah. All right. So nowadays, though, you have your successful podcasts and company. What is it that you decided to do completely different now that it's your own company and rather than what you did in your previous career? So, what promises did you decide to keep for yourself moving forward in your own company? That I would no longer surround myself with a bunch of men. I don't know why it's making me like tear up right now. It was just so shitty. And I remember like, going to my bosses all the time and pitching shows and ideas and trying to really be ahead of the game and say like, look, like I can do this thing with so-and-so and it'll be so cool. I could get a sit down interview with them. I have a great relationship with this player. I covered the galaxy soccer team as well. And I was really close with those guys. I traveled with them and they treated me so well. They were amazing. And so I was like, I could do this. I could do that. And I just kept getting shot down. And it always felt like my ideas weren't good enough. And I was like the young girl and that's stupid. And when I left television and I started my podcast, like six months later, as I started creating like the foundation for it and what I wanted to do, I also had chronic illness at the time. And I knew that I wanted to be of service to women. I wanted to have conversations that mattered. And I wanted to be creative and come up with ideas and say yes to myself because everyone had kept saying no to me. And it felt so good to have a team of women working on my show and my social media and all of those things. And also come up with ideas and just say yes to myself every day. Even if it was like crazy or off the wall, it didn't matter. I got to do it. And maybe it didn't work and you learn from that and move on. And also being able to highlight so many women. You know, I had spent my entire career aside from covering the WNBA, covering men, which is fine. Like I get it. You know, sports are great. Men are awesome. Like do your thing. But I was just tired of highlighting people who I already felt like had an advantage. And I really wanted to give a voice to women who I knew needed a bigger platform. Not that I had like this huge platform with a million followers, but I knew I could give voice to other people and to support them in their journeys and the work that they were doing. And that's what I wanted. I wanted that level of fulfillment. And so that's what I did. And even in creating Soulfire, our production company, it was the same mindset. Almost our entire team is women. Most of our shows are women. We have 40 shows, almost all female hosts. And it's again, in a very male dominated podcast industry. And it feels so good to me to push boundaries, to have conversations that matter and to empower women with alternative medicine or sexuality conversations, or when it comes to business, like I love talking to women like you who just get it, who want to help other women. Like that's what this is about for me. And I will never again, go back to not only suffering in a toxic system, but perpetuating a toxic system. Like I will not stand for it. And I have very high, you know, morals and values and boundaries around that. And I want that to be, what is the standard for all of us? Yeah. You said that word. I was just going to say the standard. I totally agree with you. And you know what? I went through some really shitty stuff too. And, and I can look back at though. And I'm in a weird way. I'm just so grateful for all of it. Cause I realized like you see one side of the spectrum and now that you're doing your own, you can completely decide what you want to do different. What worked, what didn't, and what do we want to do differently? And I think that's yeah. so important because, you know, for me, my standard and my boundary, the thing that I'm most protective of is my time. Because for me, again, you know, when we're people, 
you know, celebrating all the time. I mean, when they holidays, weekends, all the things. And when every single 31st, so every time I want to take my kids trick-or-treating, no, guess what? That's the day that numbers are due. Got to get those numbers in. So we were there to pass midnight. New Year's Eve, guess what? 31st, <laughs> no way are you going to be home with your family and do those things. And then there just got to times where, you know, we were in such patriarchal businesses where it's just go, go, do, do more and more. I remember I had a boss tell me one time, Cynthia, like gun to your head, where's your next sale? You know, and I'm just like wondering to myself, like, how are these conversations happening? I remember one time I woke up and it was six o'clock in the morning and my boss, I was up till two sales, six in the morning. My boss was like, get at it, get going. And my son came to me and he started crying. He says, you love your boss more than you love me. And I started crying and I melted and I freaked out. You know, I reacted versus standing in my power, but I, I did. I freaked out and I said, not today. Like it's not happening today. And I remember my boss said to me, well, if you made more sales, you'd be a better mother. You could spend more time with them. Like, and I just remember being like, wow. but now for me, I don't work Fridays. Like I go on vacation every single month and I teach my clients, like for the first time ever, they're taking 10 days off every quarter, like, because they can, it's not the way it has to be, but you went through that. And I went through this. Because now we're taking a stance on it. And I think that's so beautiful. And this is a good conversation. This is important for people to hear. It doesn't be that way. I agree. The whole grind mentality. You know, I would be at Dodger Stadium from 11, 12 in the middle of the day until 11 or 12 at night. And it's like, if you don't do more, show up more, go to this event, network with this person, take dinner with this person, it's like, you're going to fail. And I really believe that that self-betrayal on a daily basis over years and years, even starting in college was the reason my body crumbled and the reason I had chronic illness. And like, I couldn't even see straight. I couldn't stand up straight. I was in extreme pain. I was suicidal. Like your body is talking to you. And I didn't hear that. And I think you're so right. It's the constant people pleasing, being a chameleon, molding for other people, doing things based on what everyone else wants and their needs and never checking in with ourselves and saying, but does this even make me happy? I'm missing something with my child. I'm missing this. Like, where are my priorities? And for me, that is one of the most important conversations to have with ourselves. And for your listeners is like, what does happiness actually mean to you? Because happiness when I was 22 meant everyone told me I was hot and patted me on the back and said I was amazing on TV. Happiness to me now means I also don't work on Fridays. And I spent the entire morning with my husband. He's getting ready to go hunting tomorrow. And I was like helping him pack his bags. And like playing with the dogs and being able to just lay on the couch and put my feet up because I'm six months pregnant and not feel like I have to like grind and do this thing. And happiness to me is being present in my life. And I don't need constant external validation and accolades and reach this mountaintop. Yes, of course. I love working. I love working hard. I have a very successful company. Yay. But like at the end of the day, what is it that truly brings me the most joy and fulfillment in my life? And I just looked at my career at the end and I said, None of this makes me happy. It's actually making me extremely ill and I don't even like myself. So what are we doing here? (laughs) Whatever you uh, energize or whatever you prioritize is what you energize. It's what I always say. And yeah, you're an energetic body before you're a physical body. And that's how illness comes on. It's what we're putting ourselves through every day. So again, congratulations. You just mentioned that you're six months pregnant. That's amazing. I love, first of all, I always say to, and our listeners know that vulnerability is your biggest superpower. You're very open about your journey, about getting pregnant on Instagram and sharing that. And I think that's something that's really amazing for other people to witness. So I'm celebrating you and congratulations. Thank you. When it comes to your new business, you know, as you said, you like to win, you are a go-getter, you're going to do the things. You still have those masculine traits. But what is it about inviting the femininity and specifically pleasure into your life now into your newer business that really helps 
you and other people to have financial and emotional abundance. Yeah. I mean, pleasure for me is so important and pleasure can be so many different things. Like I get deep pleasure from playing with my dogs and just sitting on the grass and like looking at the sky. I also get deep pleasure from having multiple orgasms. <laughs> like it's, you know, full spectrum. So I don't want to just corner someone into it. It's in the bedroom. I think it's in every part of your life. But for me, what I realized is that I had suppressed my pleasure for so long and I never asked for what I wanted. And I didn't know that it was okay as a woman to say, I like to be touched like this, or can we try this? Or, Hey, I have this like fantasy or desire and to fulfill that. And so I think that that trickled into every part of my life because I was just quiet and asking for what I wanted. And so I never got what I wanted. Right. I just like, again, was this vessel for pleasure for other people. And I realized I'm bisexual when my husband now, boyfriend then, and I had first started dating and all of these feelings and emotions and desires were coming forward and I didn't know what to do with them. And as I started to explore them and I started to get curious, I started to allow these parts of myself that I had hidden and suppressed for so long to emerge. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I had just been holding myself back and I hadn't been true to myself for so long, my whole life. And so as I started to get more clear about, oh, this feels really good. And I like to try this and I have this desire and I'm not gross or terrible or, you know, shameful, then the business changed and my relationship changed. And I was able to say, Hey, can we try this with our, our team? Can we do this with our clients? Can we have this offering? You really get more in touch with your intuition and your gut. And you know, what feels really good and what feels expansive and what feels like a no. And like, we don't need that anymore. And so I think bringing in more pleasure in all aspects of your life, it naturally creates more abundance, whether it's joy, energy, fulfillment, or monetarily, because you open yourself up to that. You're no longer stagnant in your energy and you're no longer holding yourself back within you. You're fully free. You're fully expressed. So your creativity drives through the roof. You're more excited about what you're doing and people feel that it truly changed my whole life. Yeah. You know, that's so funny. IFB, my higher self, my intuition steered me to one of my spiritual mentors that really assisted me when I started my business. So I was actually fired from my executive position when I was in sales and I was making, you know, multiple six figures in this position. And right away I was like, what am I going to do now? Right. I had nothing. I had no idea what to do. I was blindsided when it happened. And so when I started my new company with no program, no clients, no testimonials, nothing, I was like, okay, well, I can hustle. I can grind. I can do the thing. Like I'll make it work. And I did, you know, we, we did well, we hit six figures in our first four months and multiple six and six and everything was going great. But I just remember all of a sudden I could feel the old patterns coming up, the looping of like going after the numbers, looking at like being stuck in the maze and not feeling like fulfilled, just like grinding in it. And I said, no, I have to rewrite this. You know, I have to do this differently. My first mentor when starting my business wasn't a business consultant or strategist. She was a feminine wealth expert. And Every time I saw her on her stories, I just remember cringing and getting so uncomfortable because she would always be, she's very voluptuous and beautiful and curvy. And she would always be in bikinis and she'd be dancing and like, you know, caressing. And I always like, why does she need to do that? Like, what's the <laughs> point? But I kept clicking and kept watching. And then I kept thinking to myself, Cynthia, she's making you uncomfortable and all growth comes when you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. She's your woman. Like she's supposed to be with you. And she really helped me to tap into my femininity. And one of the things is when it comes to metaphysics is understanding the law of correspondence. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And as you were saying, like you were beginning to be able to feel comfortable asking in the bedroom, you're receiving in the bedroom. Well, how you receive in the bedroom is how you also receive money. It's how you receive downloads of creativity. 
like we forget that. And it's funny how it's so taboo and, and all that to talk about sex, but your femininity and being able to know what you want and be clear about it, be able to speak about it. And how do you receive? You have to ask not only with your relationships, but also in, in business. So I relate to you. And I, that was some of the most life-changing things I've gone through. It's just really getting comfortable with femininity. I was, I remember being so nervous about it, but I'm happy that you brought that up and talked about that too. You know, something I wanted to ask about as well is, you know, this is kind of personal, but I'd love to hear your point on it. So for me, I love the fact that it's very obvious you and your husband are best friends, Connor, right? Yeah. Um, You have your business together. And that's very much like my husband. He's an entrepreneur too. He's my best friend. He really is. He's my lover. He's my partner. We're parents together. He's my everything. He really is. And, you know, he's an entrepreneur. So he always makes me feel supported, but I had this thing that I really had to work on when I started my own business, you know, you're the boss and we have teams and there I am making decisions, being in control and I'm controlling what we're doing next and I'm controlling the schedule and I'm, I'm delegating to them. And then I have all these clients and I love them. And I'm a leader for them. So I'm their mentor, their consultant, their coach. And, and I'm, I'm the leader, you know, I'm holding the weight of all of it. And then I'm have kids. So I'm being their boss and I'm a leader in my community and I'm just in control all the time. And I, I kind of like being in control, you know, that's the B side of me, but I realized I started bringing that controllingness into my relationship a lot when I first started. And I realized we couldn't do anything without me being like, where are we going? What are we doing? What's the plan? You're not wearing that. I'm wearing this. Like, you know, just all these things. And I didn't even realize it, but I was, I was completely emasculating him, Mm -hmm. you know? So I'm curious, did you ever face that? And also how do you suggest for women to really address this? I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking about. Where do I need to be? I'm like, oh, the freeness of that. But I've worked on that. Oh, better, but that's definitely something that's hard. But it's so, okay, good. You can relate. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've done all of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. A huge point of contention for much of the beginning of our relationship. I am such a control freak. I like things to be a certain way. I like to plan. I am, you know, a calendar whore. It's just my favorite. And he is a free spirit who can't check his damn email or, you know, wakes up and is like, what am I doing today? And I'm like, oh my God, like you give me anxiety. And through a lot of therapy and plant medicine and some really hard talks with myself, I had to really ask, like, does my controlling nature and my need to always have an answer serve me anymore? And I realized it didn't. Like there are certain things that, yes, I want to have control over my calendar. I know that I want to take Fridays off. I know that I only want to be on no more than two podcasts a day, you know, no more than two or three client calls a day, those kinds of things that feels really good to me. And that serves me in a lot of ways. But other than that, like, I don't need to plan out our weekends for months at a time. And that was one of his biggest complaints. He's like, you never leave us room to wake up on a Saturday morning and just drive off somewhere into the Colorado mountains with the dogs and like have a fun adventure. We are always, you know, something's on the calendar. We're going to this place and you want it all planned out. And he's like, I just, it's not fun to me. And the more I pulled back on my planning, I noticed the more fun I was having. And I was like, there's something to this like free spirit guy over here. And it's really brought so much more joy and curiosity and adventure into my life. And I tell people all the time, that's a huge reason I'm with Connor. I was never really a curious, adventurous person. I was very much like perfectionist. Things had to look and feel a certain way because that made me feel safe. And that's how I was raised. Like my parents cared a lot about how things looked and were portrayed. And so now I just see how much he's been able to infuse this play into my life. And I've been able to really sit back and let him take the lead on things. 
Now I am the boss. I'm also the breadwinner. I handle a lot of the logistics for our family, for our home, for our business. And he is the playful one who infuses a ton of adventure into our life. And he's, you know, my sidekick and my best friend, and we really balance each other out. I've brought more structure to him and he's brought more play to me. And so I think the important thing is to just ask yourself, like, does this really serve me? Is this as important as I'm making it out to be? And why do I feel like I need to be in control and have this much structure? And can I really separate the two and say, okay, well, when I'm with my business, I have structure, I'm dialed in, I'm focused, I'm in the masculine more. And then when I'm with my partner, can I soften? Can I let him steer the boat? Can I allow him to carry me? And can I really enjoy that feeling of letting someone else lead in the bedroom Connor leads. And I love that because I am so dominant and so in charge in our lives that for him to lead in the bedroom is so fun to me. That doesn't mean I don't ask for what I want and, you know, speak up, but it just means like he gets to like be in charge and be more dominant. And that's really fun for me because it's like the one place where I'm like, take me, (laughs) have me whatever you want. Yes. And that's so fun because I can finally just relax and be myself and just feel really free. So I think it's so important to have that combination of both and also being in the feminine and being more in the feminine in your partnerships allows you to learn more about how to receive, which like you said a minute ago is so powerful in your business. Yes, we can be in the masculine and achieve and go and do. Are you in the receiving to experience that with your clients and financially and all of those things? So I think having that balance is just so important. I now wake up every morning and the first words that come out of my mouth are, I expect magic and miracles. And it's because I used to plan everything and and have everything be set up structured. And you're right. It leaves no room for when it's like putting blinders on. It has to be this way and only that way. And if you say it is, and so it is, but if you're open to it, it can be anything, this or something better. You know, when it comes to our relationships, I've been married to my husband now for over 10 years. And I've gone to the point where I know we're so emotionally connected that he really is that first ripple. So like, if you drop the stone, you have all the ripples, he's the first one. And what comes out of his mouth I know for a fact, he's a reflection of me. Like he is my subconscious speaking to myself. And so when he says things like, Hey, you're being too controlling. Like, it's like my own self speaking to me. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he kind of said that to me, it really upset me. My ego was like, no, screw you. Like, but then I listened to it. I really thought about it. And I went back again to the metaphysical concept of, well, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And I remember I was working with a femininity coach I was telling you about, and she asked me a question. I can't believe I'm so embarrassed that I didn't know the answer. She asked me, and you know, there's all the different labels for it, but a higher power. She said, how do you bring God into your business? And I was like, huh? I was like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, how do you bring God into your business? And I was like, well, I talk to God every day and I pray and I meditate and it's not in my business. And all of a sudden it kind of hit me. It's because like, I'm the one steering the ship. I'm controlling all of it. And you know, it's funny, my husband, he has a business partner. So I am like you, I'm the breadwinner. I'm the earned income, but then I take a lot of that and he develops our passive income. He's a real estate investor. Mm. He has a business partner. And I get so jelly sometimes because they're like, one's the CEO, he's the visionary. And he's like the one that networks and knows all the people. And then my husband, he's more like a COO where he's like in the business and he loves doing all things. And I'm like, I'm doing all of it. But I realized like, I'm not alone. And I actually am really supported. And the first month that I realized that I finally gave up control, like, I'm not going to worry about the numbers. I'm just going to like show up, have fun with this. I'm just going to receive what happens. 
that's the first month we went from 20, 30, 40, 12 cents to $70,000 months, like, mm-hmm. like that. And I remember just being like, holy crap, it's everything. It's everything. It's just allowing yourself. To, we think that we're supposed to be so controlling and come up with up and do more. It's the complete opposite. So I'm so happy that you spoke about that as well. Don't you think that comes down to not to interrupt you, but I I love that you just said that because it's making me think I'm like, where do I bring God into my business? It's such, it's such a um, conversation of trust. And I think for those of us who are super controlling and controlling of others as well, and like have this tight grip on our businesses, we don't trust ourselves. And Mm -hmm. so it's such a reflection in every part of our lives of how we don't trust ourselves. When I'm micromanaging Connor, I'm not in trust with myself. I'm not taking care of myself. It's so obvious. I'm like, go take a goddamn bath, Kelly. (laughs) Like you need some you time. And then I'm so much better. And then I just let him do whatever the hell he does. Um, But I think that to your point, there's such for me, like I wouldn't necessarily say God, but the universe, like, am Mm -hmm. I trusting the universe? Am I trusting of myself? And how is that being reflected in everything that I do and the way I'm showing up? And that for women, I think is such a powerful shift. I never trusted myself. And yes, of course, there are still moments where I don't and I fall back into old patterns like you were talking about, but being able to learn how to listen to yourself, how to understand what your own voice sounds like, how to trust yourself. And it starts with really little things and small decisions. Like, do I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today? Does that sound good? Okay. Now I ate it. Did it taste good or not? How does that feel? And then moving up the ladder of like, okay, now am I going to marry this person? (laughs) Do I trust myself? Do I trust them? I think that is so important because we are lacking that in so many ways. And we're constantly reaching to someone else to tell us what to do, to tell us how to be. And that is where we came from. And we don't want to perpetuate that. So how can we come back to infusing God or the universe into our business, into our lives and learning that we get to trust that and trust ourselves? Right. It's true. Cause you can see it here in the physical and the more successful you become, the more support you need to have. Like you have to delegate to a team if you're going to scale. It's how it's going to be. But also like, we're not just physical beings. As we were talking about earlier, we're energetic beings. So how are you being supported energetically? Mm -hmm. You have to do both. It's not this or that, it's this and that. You have to do both. Otherwise you burn out, you fizzle out. And so, you know, being supported a lot of times, I think, you know, when women hear this, they think of like surrendering, like, woe is me, damsel in distress. Like, no, that's not, that's not what it is. I realized, you know, getting into flow state, that ability where you're just in full receptive and you're just in your absolute alignment and creative mode is really about like disciplining yourself to surrender. So it's like, you have to discipline, which is like the focus and the the masculine, but do it to surrender. And that's Mm -hmm. like where the flow state comes from. So it's really, it's masculine, it's feminine. And that's the full version of you. Yeah. It's funny. I wonder what you think about this. A lot of times, like people in our industry, they're always talking about balance. Like if you want to have success, you got to have balance, you know? And I'm always like, well, fuck balance. Like that's balancing for me is for masters. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, so many people are like, you got to eat well while you work out, while you have date nights, while you're running your company. And like, just do one and get really good at it. And then add another. Cause otherwise it's like learning to juggle right away. You have to add one ball at a time, but also, you know, when it comes to masculine and femininity, I never think about balancing them. I always think about harmonizing them, like Mm, going in and out. Sometimes I'm full beast mode. Sometimes I'm my feminine. Sometimes I'm being both. Like, and I think that's important for people to remember. It's not about being perfect. Like you said, it's just like tapping in. Like, how do I feel right now? Not what I think. How do I feel? And I think that it's honoring the chapters and the cycles of our lives. I think you're right. I don't know that I believe in balance. I think I believe that right now I am in the pregnant cycle. And that means that. Some days I have a really high sex drive and other days I don't want to be touched. And I just kind of feel like crying. 
And I honor that, right? You don't have to be pregnant to feel that way, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, sometimes it's, I'm in a very heavy, like building soul fire, client onboarding, go, go, go masculine mode. And other times I am very like flowy and meditating and journaling. And I think that if we listen to ourselves on a deeper level, truly listened and got rid of all the noise and all the chaos, we would understand that every day is going to look different. Mm-hmm. And this is why I don't like having specific morning routines every single day. I know that it works for some people. I was too structured for so long. I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's like I wake up and I really am honoring where I am today. I thought I was going to want to work out and I woke up and I just wanted a slow morning and have my coffee and hang out with Connor. And I ended up just not working out and I feel great. And that feels like I honored myself. Maybe tomorrow I wake up and I'm like, I want to squat 200 pounds and go for it. and burn calories and sweat and the whole thing. But I think that when we are constantly seeking balance, we're constantly setting ourselves up for failure because it's kind of like you said, if you're not hitting all of these points, then there's something wrong with me. And I am not living up to the Instagram expectation of a businesswoman and mother. And now I suck. I don't think that that's real. I think that's this fake idea of perfectionism that just doesn't exist. I'm so happy you brought that up. I literally had a conversation yesterday with one of my newer clients And she's like, I'm just not disciplined. I'm just not disciplined. I'm just not disciplined. I'm like, well, tell me, tell me why you're saying this. Like, I believe you are. You say you are, you are. So tell me, why are you not disciplined? And she said, well, I keep setting my alarm for 5 a.m. And I just, I won't get up. And I just like, why do you think you have to get up at 5 a.m.? And she's like, well, because that's, you know, means I'm successful. Like, that's what it takes. That's what she's doing. She's doing. And I was just like, fuck that. Like, I can't get up at 5 (laughs) a.m. Like, I said, you know, what's funny. I don't even have an alarm clock. Mm -hmm. My alarm clock is my two kids. They come in and they kiss me to say goodbye because they're already ready at 10, well, almost 10 and seven now. They get themselves ready. They get out the door and they come give me kisses and say goodbye. That's why I wake up in the morning. It doesn't have to be that way. And I couldn't imagine, but that's what I'm saying. That's what we say success looks like. So that's what we have to do. And it's not true. It's not true. I don't start my workday usually to 930 and I'm definitely done by five. That's my thing. But yeah, I mean, it's so funny how people do that. And it's this Instagram world. You know, it's funny. I've never, I love your Instagram, by the way. We're going to talk about it in a Thank second. I, like, I checked it out a ton. I'm really not a big Instagram girl. I'm looking at seeing it differently. But I think it's because I got married at 22. Like Instagram wasn't even there. It's funny. Mm-hmm. I went to school for marketing with a minor in advertising. I had a flip phone in college. Like, oh my God, yeah. hundred thousand dollars, right? Because my whole business is on social media. <laughs> like bullshit. You know, I'm living vicariously through my friends. I'm like, which way is it left or right that you have to swipe? Like, which is, I kept calling it Twitter, but it's actually Tinder. Like, but oh my God. any of these things, because I wasn't worried about other people's lives. I was so concerned about getting my shit together personally, my own life. But yeah, I can see how social media can be such a blessing, create such an impact, but it can also be pretty dangerous and, and really kind of condition us to not be in the full version of ourselves. But what I do love about your social media, about your Instagram is that you are the full version of yourself. I love that you're not censored. I love that you're super confident. And I love that you know your people. Like you're polarizing your messaging because like, you know who your people are and what they love. And I was inspired by that. I was like, I actually sent to my team. I was like, do you see what she's saying? I want more of this. Like, this is what I want to start doing. So I just want to celebrate you for that. And also too, you know, congrats on 1 million downloads for your podcast. Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty huge. So with your company, Soul Fire Productions, uh, you teach your clients to have successful podcasts too. So can you tell us more about Soul Fire Productions? I'd love to learn more. Yeah. So when I first started the podcast, I was working with this production company and there just wasn't a focus on detail and community and transparency. It was very much like we're editing your show, but you figure it out. 
And as you know, as a podcaster, (laughs) podcasting is just sort of this elusive space where no one really knows what's going on and you can't really Google anything to find answers. And I just felt, I just felt very alone and isolated and I didn't feel like I was connected to other podcasters who were good at what they were doing and that I could learn from. And so with my TV background and understanding production so well, and what sounds good, what looks good, I decided that I wanted to start a company. And so Connor and I had been together for a little less than a year. And he had also come from a podcast background. We met through our shows, which was a podcast love story, Um, (laughs) but he had built podcasts for some pretty well-known people. And so he understood that side of things and more of like the tech and, and, you know, backend stuff. And then I took one of the girls from the production company I had been working with, and she's now our COO. And she understood, you know, show notes, audio, sort of movement of the team and projects and all of that. And so we just like from scratch created this company. And it's so fun. (laughs) Yesterday, we were on the phone with our marketing team and, you know, they were asking us questions like, how would you describe the company and what sets you apart? And I was like, I got to be honest, I'm not trying to toot my own horn. This is not about ego. There's literally no other company that does what we do. So when you ask me who my competition is, I don't really have an answer for you because what we do is so special. We wanted to build a company based on transparency and community because those are the two biggest holes that I saw in the industry at the time. Yeah. And I still see them to this day. And I wanted people to feel like they were being connected with other podcasts, like they were being told the truth about the industry and that they were being brought together to help each other grow. And that's exactly what we do. So aside from doing all production for you from you know, writing show notes, titling your show, doing all the audio editing, creating all your video content, YouTube, Instagram, everything. We also have a mastermind with our hosts. We do regular analytics and strategy calls with our hosts. We do an extensive onboarding process for six weeks so that we can co-create and hold the vision with you because most people just, they get so in their business that they don't even see what's going on and they need someone from the outside to take a holistic view at the business, at the podcast and say, this makes no sense. This is not connected. That's not who you're talking to. We've grown out of this. Why are we even talking about that? All those different things to really hold people accountable and give them a team of support so that when a podcast host comes to us, they are focused on being the creator and we can take care of all the logistics for them. And so it's been really cool to watch everyone support each other, to connect with each other, to grow their shows because of those connections, and to just feel really empowered to take ownership over their messaging, over their podcast so that they can do what they want. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I can't agree with you more when it comes to the authenticity and community. That's everything, mm-hmm. especially with what our whole you know world has gone through in the last few years. Community is what everybody is craving. And I literally, just before we got onto this interview today, it was with Tracy Goodwin at her summit. And my whole presentation was about how authenticity is what really converts, you know, mm-hmm. people are so tired of seeing people duck lips sitting on Ferraris, like, and being oh all edited and perfect. You know, that's the fun thing about this conversation is like, you know, we're just flowing and, and, and being real and just talking to each other, women to women. And I think you're spot on with that. You know, I just recently big move, just made the biggest investment in my company and signed with the marketing agency. And they actually supported in us connecting here. Mm. I'll tell you what, I'm sleeping like a baby. It feels so good to have somebody really support you and get you. And to like, again, as we were talking about, like just to have you feel supported and, and take care of things. So that's wonderful that you do that for the podcast and your clients. So what is the best way for people to follow you, connect with you, and especially learn more about your services? Yeah. So on Instagram, you can find me at Kelly T. Moore and Soulfire Productions Co. And then Soulfire's website is soulfireproductionsco.com. 
Awesome. We'll make sure to leave the links for all of our listeners here. But I think today was really powerful. Again, it's really important. You know, it's not about keeping up with the boys. It's about being a proud woman and being in a male industry and leading by example, setting those healthy boundaries and standards and remembering that you go first. Like you have to take care of yourself first. So I really appreciate you being here today. And I'd love to know if you have any other final words before we sign off today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me, Cynthia. I think just at the end of the day, I just really believe in women honoring themselves and doing what makes them feel good and pursuing your desires and not worrying about what everyone else thinks and wants for you. I love it. Another great inner feminine beast interview. Thank you so (laughs) much, Kelly. And to our listeners, acknowledge it, embrace it, see it through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfemininebeast.com to join our communities. And so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see on the inside.